Yes, it's the Hardcore Marketing Show. I'm Casey Cheshire, your host for this epic journey. And today's show is sponsored by, only one sponsor, sponsored by Cheshire Impact on a mission to help you maximize your use of marketing automation and CRM, CheshireImpact.com. Bam! Today's guest. Now, today's guest, super excited about today. Now, I got to tell you, resume is super long. Um, you guys, social wizard. We've moved on themes here. So now we're talking social this month. New month, new theme for the CSI. And this one is all about social, integrating social to everything you do. And I have a social wizard. I have a chief master sergeant of socialness and social video. He's an author. He's a playwright, which we'll also talk about. And as if you need any more, he's the head of marketing at Socito. Adam Hutchinson, how are you, sir? I'm doing awesome today. Thanks for having me on the show. Absolutely. And, and for anyone else that, that hears, and my voice doesn't sound as buttery, we had the most crazy technical thing earlier, but you were so patient. I appreciate it. Yeah, no worries, man. So today, today we're talking about integrating social. And we were sharing earlier the theme ties into that marketing automation success mm -hmm. index. The idea of before you go blasting this or doing this campaign or that campaign, you got to Got to hit first steps first, second steps second, and we've talked about integrating reporting. We've talked about knowing your buyers. Now we're moving right along. We've even talked about content marketing. Now we're talking about you've got some great content. Let's get these things out there. We're starting to push things out and starting to engage our audience and really want to integrate social into everything we do. And no better than to have you here who I, I see blowing up Twitter and every channel I can possibly find. Um, and so, so glad to have you here. Want to pass the baton to you. Are there any myths you want to just crush right up front? Any bogus strategy, anything yes. that just, every time you hear it, you just kind of cringe and you want to punch the wall. Yes. Yes. This is probably the biggest myth for social media marketing, but it's also my personal biggest pet peeve. So we're going to stop it right now. We're going to make people get on the same page. So yes, it's this idea that you can just post your way to success on social media. So what I see all the time, nonstop, and especially from B2B companies, they're the worst offenders, is they just take their content calendars and they push them out on social media in their feeds. Right. And so then their feeds just end up being just this one after another nonstop. It's the title of the blog post, the link to the blog post, and then the little header image for the blog post. And that's all it is down the train that they're publishing, you know, maybe five to 10 times a week. And that's about it. And Honestly, if you're just taking your content strategy and putting it on social media, that's not a social media strategy, right? That just doesn't work for social Interesting. media. Interesting. Social media strategy, content marketing strategy, they tie in together, but they are not the same thing. So don't just approach it like that. Don't just make social the, the channel you just crap out all your, your content onto. Exactly. And especially for B2B, because the problem is, you know, we, we've used to use social media as this kind of just external traffic channel where we're going to get some yeah. more visitors to our, our pages and that's not working anymore, right? So the, these social media channels, the engagement rates on a per post basis are declining. You know, it's no lie that in 2017, total engagement rates across the social networks declined by 20% and that's continuing into 2018. Now that's not a bad sign. It doesn't mean that these networks are dying. It just means that the engagement that's happening is getting more focused. So if we're just posting, uh, we're going to get less visibility. It's going to reach less people over time. And our content is not going to work the way we want it to. Whereas if we're focusing on kind of this native engagement on these platforms, all of a sudden we start to cut through the noise and really build our audience on social. Interesting. Now, I got to say one of the other things, and maybe we can squash this too. You mentioned the stats are going down. And before I ask you, help yeah. fix this, help me fix this. The other question is, is this, does this even matter? Like, why is social even on our, our roadmap, maturity model? Why are we even talking? Why are you spending so much of your day on social? Are you just wasting your time? I mean, B2B, is it, is it there or is it dying? I really well, is the question. Yeah, I mean, look, for, for some companies, they are just keeping the lights on on social media, but that doesn't have to be the way. If you right. think about the fact that, over 90% of all adults in North America are on social media, and it's just under 90% for Europe. And then the fact that 84% of B2B decision maker buyers actually turn to social media to do research on companies, to look at competitors, and to gather uh, reviews from peers on social media. 
That's huge. That sounds like an actual B2B channel to me. We're just not really using it effectively. And, and you yourself, right? You get leads yeah. for Sosito. And I think you told me a percentage. What was the percent? Yeah, we, we generate huge percent. 40% of our pipeline at Sosito Dang. actually comes from social media. Dang. Yeah. That's a lot. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I mean, it, it yeah. is a lot. And some of it's direct, right? Some of it's the typical mindset of social. Of we're going to post this content. We're going to drive people to a landing page. They're going to fill out a form and then convert. Sure. That's sure. a segment of it. But when we really look at social media holistically, then we start to look at, all right, here's all of the organic engagements we're driving on social that actually turns into organic traffic. And then you, on top of that, we've kind of connected social media with our MarTech systems, which we can talk about here in a little yeah. bit. And so we're actually maybe starting the conversation on social, then continuing the conversation on email or via your phone or at a conference. So when we start to tie social in with our entire MarTech stack, really make it a demand gen system, that's when we start to see the power of social really come to play. Interesting. Are you getting a lot of people? In my head, I'm thinking top of the funnel. You get a lot of that just browsing, just visiting, then you get them in, or you also get the folks converting... No, Casey, Casey, that's, that's the other myth that I wanted is to bust is this yeah, idea that, it, yeah, social media is not just top of the funnel. Of course, really? that's a big piece of it, right? Yeah. But again, it's this mindset that we have that, oh, social is just for driving traffic to our content. So we have to post thought leadership stuff. We have to post blogs and then we'll convert people. But that's, that's so false because when we actually think about it, by the time that people are following us on multiple networks on social media, they're also probably following our competitors at that point. They're True. also following influencers at that point. That sounds to me like a person who's already evaluating or educating themselves about a solution. If we kind of think about the funnel stages, right? Right. So sure, there's the awareness play. Do post that blog post content. Do make yourself a thought leader because that's important, of course. But really, once we have followers on social media, we should be engaging them one-to-one almost in a sales funnel already once we have them uh, because they are already doing research. And guess what? If you're not doing it, your competitors, I can promise you, are reaching out to them on social. Right. So actually engage them one-on-one. I mean, everything marketing tends to be talking about at scale, you know, at let right. me engage 30 people all at once. And, and I can, you know, I can sniff out when that that's happening. And I always try to coach my team to know when, when to use one versus another, but you know, that's not how you build relationships. So how you, how do you do one-to-one though, if you've got a whole 40% of your leads and how do you pick and choose? Right. Well, I mean, look, it's not going to happen overnight. And I have yeah. a lot of sympathy for people who are still just using it social as a traffic strategy, and that's fine. Right. But, you know, it does take some technology. Um, it does take a social media management platform that we can Got actually it. look at on a people by people basis. Now, the nice thing is every social media management platform these days has some kind of tie into the leading marketing automation systems, right. whether it's Hootsuite, whether it's Sprout Social, whether it's Octopost. Um, you know, you can at the very minimum uh, build segments based off of B2B demographics now yes. on social media. So you can see, oh, here's the 20 people in a certain industry or a certain job title who are interacting with my campaign about the latest white paper that I just published, right? right. If we want to get even more sophisticated, we can take these solutions and tie them directly one-on-one into our marketing automation systems so we see oh, this lead that I've had in my database for two years, they went cold after a conference, they haven't been opening my emails, but they just retweeted me on social media or they're talking about a competitor. Now I can reach out to them because they're starting to re-engage. So that's kind of the first piece of it. Again, that's not easy. It's not going to happen overnight, but there is technology now that can do it. The second piece of it is to really align sales and marketing, which Mm. again, you know, a whole other topic. Good point. Yeah, good point. Good rabbit hole there. Yeah. You know, uh, once we actually we can pass this data over to our sales team. I mean, just think about it. If a salesperson knew that your, their lead was following a specific competitor on social media and retweeting them versus oh, yeah. a whole wide range, that's a much more targeted conversation. They can speak much more intelligently to their leads. That's actually really, really easy data from a social media side of things to pass over to the sales team. Right. Um, as well as, you know, just being active with them. And then finally for the B2B space specifically, you have to be a lot more proactive with social media. So again, it's not just about the content that you're putting out there that people are engaging with. It's about who do I want to go engage with? Let me go tag them in posts. Let me go send them a specific piece of content. Let me go send them a message or retweet them, get on their radar. Um, And I'm not going to do that to all 20,000 leads in my system. I'm going to do it to the 50 most active leads. I'm going to do it to people that I want to engage with and try to get into the sales funnel. So once we start to target people down, 
at a you know account by account level or a lead by lead level. Sure. Then we actually take the same tasks that social media managers are doing on a daily basis, response management and posting content, we're just making it a lot more effective because we're targeting it. You know, that sounds really cool because it, it it's a step up from let me pay some, you know, intern to manage my social and, you know, share, you know, lightweighted things. But this is targeted. You're targeting people. You're going after them. You understand, you're doing the research to see, or maybe you can even see through, like you said, technology. You can see who else they're following. You can see what they're up to if they have retweeted you. And you're specifically going after them. It's like that ABM type targeting of I see you directly, you in person, and and then giving them what they they're looking for and building that relationship on Twitter. And then to your point, being able to say, Hey, sales, we're already BFFs on Twitter. Don't mess this up. Right. <laughs> you know, they're ready to go. Here, call them or something. Right. Exactly. And I mean, this is you know, this is where marketers are going to have to go anyways yes. because the social platforms are changing. Right. Yes. I like to think of, of social media kind of like SEO ten years ago. We started totally. out with the hacks. We had the automated bots. We had our link building techniques that got us the traffic. Um, and then Google changed its algorithm, and all of a sudden we had to change everything again. Right. And now we're really at a point in SEO. And you know, no offense to any SEO managers out there, but. The trick to SEO these days is just to create great content, right? hundred percent. Right? That's There's what no it magic to, to it. Exactly. I always tell people it's like 10% tech, just making sure, you know, there's a button in WordPress that says, don't let spiders index, don't let Google index me. Whatever right. you do, don't click that. <laughs> don't but it works. If you click that, yeah. no, one, no one shows up. But it, so that's 10%. But then the rest of it, to your point, just good content shared socially, you know? Exactly. And that's where the social media platforms are going, right? We, you know, we had the, the follow unfollow bots for a while. We had, you know, reposting the same content over and over again until people click on it. Right. You know, those tools worked for a little while, but now we're at a place where Facebook, Twitter, LinkedIn, Instagram, all of these platforms are changing their algorithms and they're really prioritizing end user engagement. Cause that's, that's how you keep time on site up. That's how you keep people coming back to your platforms. Right. And so for a brand, sure, in the short term, we're actually going to see our engagements with our posts drop. But that's not mm. a bad thing. What that means is that we can focus on those really core pieces of content, those native pieces of content on social that encourage engagement. And the way all these algorithms work is once someone's engaging with one of your posts, they start to see a lot more of your posts. Right. You know, on Facebook, it's literally you're scrolling through the feed. Even if you just kind of pause for a second on one of your friend's posts, Guess what? You start to see a lot more of their posts, even if you didn't click on it. Same really? Happen. Oh yeah, it's literally yeah. based off of tracking your, you know, your scroll, what's on your screen, and the time that you're spending uh, looking at each thing. See, sometimes uh, I, if I see an ad that I hate on Facebook or Twitter, I know that they pay for replies and comments. So I'll, I'll write back to that and reply and be like, "This is dumb," just because I know it costs them money. <laughs> so they could, but yeah, then apparently I'm screwing myself because <laughs> they're going to show me that ad more because they think I like it because I commented on it. Well, that's exactly right. That's oh, exactly geez. what's going to happen. You got to be careful there, Casey. Yeah, there's a dark side to everything. <laughs> uh, but you know, for brands, it's 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 nice because it's kind of a self fulfilling prophecy. Is once yeah. you start to build this kind of micro community, you might get less reach, you might get less engagements, but the people you are reaching are going to continue to see your brand be a lot more engaged with your posts. And eventually that does turn into conversions down the funnel. Interesting. The idea of a micro community, what would you do? Just like a smaller, more refined community is what you would call a micro community. Yeah. So a micro community is really just anyone. It's a kind of a group of people who are coming around on this social platform intended for a specific topic. So I'm not just right. going to log in and see my big feed. I'm coming in to see this specific topic. And so right. on LinkedIn, this might be a LinkedIn group on group, Facebook. Yeah. It might be a, a group or, you know, uh, an event even can be a little micro community on right. Twitter. It could be a tweet chat or a group DM or something. Right. So there's a lot of different ways uh, that you can create these. It doesn't have to be crazy. Um, you know, some brands are simply spinning up multiple Twitter handles each around different personas. That's a great way to create a little micro community, obviously each one's only going to have a few thousand followers, but if they know exactly what they're going to be getting, they're going to be a lot more engaged with that handle and they'll start to see more posts that are relevant to them. That's really interesting. So a, a separate Twitter handle or a separate social, I mean, even group on LinkedIn specific yeah. to, to uh, that micro community. And to your point, the numbers will be lower because we're getting more refined. So we have to break out of that mentality that, 
I want to get 2,000, 3,000, 4,000, you know, 400,000 on this thing. I want to get the smaller group of the right people. So my message can be super targeted. Like maybe you could do an email. Right. Exactly. Exactly. You know, and that's not to say that building a big following isn't a bad thing because you do want the credibility if there's a PR play to it. But like, so for example, a brand F5 networks, who's a customer of Sucido, they've taken this approach. They have their F5 networks handle, which is huge. They're a big company. They're very well known and respected in the DevOps space. But then they also launched a new Twitter handle called F5 labs. It only has a few thousand Twitter handle followers on it right now. And they actually don't post anything about their own products. All it is is the latest news happening in SecOps space. Huh. And so everyone is a security IT admin professional that's following this handle and they care about every single tweet that comes up on that Twitter feed. So they're paying attention to it. A lot of their followers have their notifications turned on for it because they want to know what's happening and it's super valuable to them and very relevant. And so even though you know F5 might not be driving as much traffic to their webinar that the demand gen team is creating, they actually have a much more loyal following now that eventually comes to F5 when they have a security need. And that makes sense too, because you can't put that level of information on say your overall brand, right. because there's all sorts of personas coming to it there's exactly. across the board. And then all you're doing is providing noise for the other 95% of people who don't want to hear that, but then targeting F5 labs, people know to go to that one to get that. That's really cool. I could yeah. see them. It's like taking the lessons of being super efficient and uh, super relevant on email or email marketing and all these other buyer persona lessons, but taking those same lessons and putting them into social. Exactly, exactly. And, you know, a, a really easy way to start for a lot of B2B brands, you know, you don't have to have a big tool. You don't have to you know, spin up a bunch of campaigns. Use it via employee advocacy. So if you have sales reps or product managers who work with a specific persona or spe- yeah. specific line of business, the content that they're sharing from your brand should be relevant to that line of business because that's who they're interacting with anyways. So make sure when you're setting up your social campaigns, whether you're giving them tweets that they can publish on their own or have a content repository, have them share stuff around a specific persona and build up that audience. That's going to be helpful for them in their jobs as well. Right. Having the whole company share makes a lot of sense. I was chatting with Sonia from Drift and they, they blew up the internet the other day when they had all 120 of their employees all make a LinkedIn video at the same time. Yeah. Um, same day, even, though, cool. even tech, like I was like, really, even yeah. the coders, they all did it. Some, they had to twist their arms a little bit, but everyone else, they all did it and then just, just blew up everything. So that, yeah. but now that's, that's ideal. How, how, I mean, how do you do it at your company? And then how do you get, do you get everyone involved in that? And how do you, you know, how do you get folks to do that? And maybe they haven't been doing that already. Yeah, definitely. Definitely. I mean, there's, there's a couple different approaches you can take internally here at Sosito. We kind of centralize everything through the marketing team. So mm. anyone who wants to, they can actually just hook up their profiles into our social media management platform. Oh, cool. And we'll start posting for them. We're not going to spam anyone, but oh, cool. you know, we'll, we'll share the content on their behalf and then they can still share their own personal things. They can share something they find really interesting about Sosito, but that way from a marketing standpoint, we can keep our messaging aligned and they know that as their Twitter handles grow, uh, they're actually sharing the re- relevant content without even having to think about it. So it helps, yeah, that's a it good also helps them, right? So, so that's one great way to do it if people are willing to kind of just hook everything up through marketing. I've found that a lot of companies, people are willing to do that. They'll just kind of hand over, say, don't spam anyone, but hey, go for it. Make me an influencer in this space. Um, if that's not an option for your company, a great way to do it is actually uh, to highlight people who are doing it really well in your company, get more people on board and then find some success stories. So one thing that we found with another company that we worked with, they had some of their sales reps use this kind of Twitter marketing technique in their sales process where they would, you know, follow their leads on Twitter, retweet some of their tweets, and then actually mention a relevant tweet in their first outreach email. Say, Hey, I saw you tweeting about X wanted to reach out and talk to you about it their response rate on those emails was about double what they typically get on their, you know, automated outreach emails. And so that was a huge win for those sales reps. They were able to hit their quotas, their peers, 
maybe not so much that month. And so all of a sudden you look across the aisle at the people who are doing social media in your company and those who aren't, and you start to see the benefits for it. So, you know, crawl, walk, run, start with something that makes sense for your organization. But a lot of people are really willing to buy in once they see how it can help them do their jobs. Totally. No, I love both of those ideas. The idea of, look, you're busy without even thinking about it. You're going to be starting to share value on your Twitter account. Right. And Scouts Honor, we're not going to blast them um, uh, from from your account. And then secondarily, finding those success stories that works really well in sales. Hey, take you know we've done some sales training before, and we don't even tell people you must do this. We say, look, you know, you know, we did this, and we closed a million dollars, and it worked. So take it or leave it. And they're like, okay, maybe I will, but especially if it's competitive, like you versus another rep, and right, and you're like how did they beat me last month? I made a thousand calls. Okay. Well, they were actually integrating social and Twitter and they were dropping that into their, to their email when they were first reaching out and look at here, are their open rates. So exactly. it's like no brainer. I guess I'm going to do that too. Right. No, is that something that Socito does? Because I, and maybe just explain, you know, what it does. It's a social platform, right? And how does it, how does it help with the, the lead generation? Yeah, so Socito so, so is really a demand generation platform cool. to help B2B marketing kind of across the pipeline. So on one end of the spectrum, we do generate net new leads um, via social media based on who's interested in you on social. So, you know, we'll target people just like I talked about. Let's get targeted down to those topic interests, those micro communities, um, the keywords that people are tweeting about, the influencers that they're following, the competitors that they're following, anything right. that might signify interest. Uh, we'll go out, we'll follow those people. We can generate them as net new leads, connect those to email addresses and pump those into your database. So you have some net new, really warm, engaged context. They're already receiving your content on social media. Yeah. A lot more willing to receive your email content as well and uh, respond to you when you actually start to reach out. So that's one end of the spectrum. Then of course we can continue to track what they're doing on social media. So if someone starts to click on that link that you sent them, or you get a net new follower who's already in your system, you want to know about that. That can help you segment your leads. That way your, your followers are going into a really rich content campaign. Your non-followers sure. are maybe still need to be kind of awareness generated at the top of the funnel. Um, and of course, you can pass that data to the sales team. So that's really where kind of the, the rubber meets the road is that once we generate these net new leads that are actually interested in these topics, whether it's an event, a competitor, an influencer, or a topic, you can pass those leads all the way down the funnel. You can nurture them to your sales team. And they know that these leads have been interacting with your brand on social media. And we find that socially engaged leads tend to convert about 25% higher rate than leads from other sources. And again, it's not magic. It's simply because they're continuing to receive your content on social. They have a relationship with your brand. They're much warmer than leads that you just generated from a campaign, right? Sure. And you're continuing the conversation, the engagement doesn't have to stop. I, mean, you know, I wouldn't even argue that you know, clicking on an email is necessarily engagement. I mean, they are technically showing signs of life, but that versus them actively doing something on social where they're, maybe they're sharing your, your message or you know, at, at replying you or anything like that, it, it seems like a lot more of, a, of an engagement, a deeper, richer engagement than just, oh, yeah, we got some opens on this email. You know, something right, like that. Right. And I, I, you know, I always like to think about kind of marketing success metrics in terms of what's the next step. Yeah. So someone clicks on an email. That's awesome. They saw the blog post. They saw whatever landing page I took them to. Sure. I don't know if they actually cared about it once they landed there. All I know is that they clicked a call to action that sounded good because I A-B tested the call to action to death. Right. If someone's engaging with me on social media, it's because they want to engage. They proactively logged in. They found that tweet or they saw that tweet. They clicked on it, they retweeted it, they shared it, they commented on it. That takes time out of someone's day, and that's a personal investment. It costs right. me nothing to click on an email. It does cost me time and attention to engage with someone on social media. So I actually have a reason to reach out for them in that point. You know, that's, ah, that's such a cool point because, uh, you know, we do a lot of work on, in training on forms and, you know, a lot of work with marketing automation. And one of the things that I love talking about is, is, when you measure something or any of your metrics, the more work someone had to do to do it, the more value you should probably give that, which yeah. is why, and I know some people hate forms, but I like forms as long as they're not gigantic. They're not 12 fields, but if there's some sexy marketing automation form where they're getting all dynamic and they're as small <laughs> as possible. They're efficient right. and they're smart. 
they maybe they pre-filled your email address for you. Those kind of forms. Yeah. I still like that because it's like it's like a barter of information. You gave me some of your information, I'm giving you some of my information, as opposed to here, just click this and I'll give that to you. But even if it just means confirming that form, you don't have to even enter anything. You just confirm I still like that because it it took them like that much more to do that. And it, it, it kind of gives you, so whenever we rate things or score things, I give more weight to the things that took more time for them to do. Exactly. No, you're exactly right. I love that. And I'm, I'm a fan of forms too. Yay. <laughs> all right. Know, that's my demand gen geeky background, but you know, I love, you know, it, it, it's all about kind of what's the relationship that someone wants to have with their brand. If they're filling out a form, obviously they want to know more from you and they want you to know more about them. Right. Um, you know, think about it the same way as like, what are they doing on your site? You know, I know a lot of people these days are kind of measuring how many pages do they visit before they convert it. That can be a lead scoring metric to give them more weight, right? Yeah, or sure. you know, are they looking at just the first kind of few pages of the ebook or are they actually clicking through to multiple sections of the ebook? Same thing on social media. With the rise of video today, now we can actually see, are people interacting with my entire video? If someone's watching even a five minute video on social media, Right. That's huge, right? That's a big time investment on the fast forward of social media versus totally. someone just kind of scrolling through and maybe seeing an ad impression or something. Totally. Yeah, you know, it, it's, it's funny, the, the, the parallels, because we've often, you know, there's certain plugins where if someone watches like 45 minutes of your one hour long webinar, give them some credit because that took them time out of their, their day. But to your point, right. the faster moving world of social, someone watched your you know, five minutes is actually a long time on social. I think the average Facebook video is probably like just over a minute and a half, mm -hmm. right? So, you know, if they, they spent five minutes, they were actually engaged. You know, either you had an amazing video with a unicorn and ice cream and all sorts of stuff, or you actually really wanted to hear your message. So giving credit to that. But you brought up a great point, video. Mm -hmm. Now you, even when I was pulling up your Twitter profile um, earlier, just sort of get my mind full of all sorts of things to talk about, I'm seeing you talk on Twitter. I'm seeing, um, you know, videos, Twitter videos left and right. And I know we started chatting about this a little bit before we, we got on here is, is that you've experimented with video on social all over the place. And, yes, and then you yeah. sort of focus on, on Twitter. So maybe you could explain, you know, did you try, have you tried LinkedIn video? Have you tried the video different places? And then, you know, what made you then focus it on Twitter? Yeah. So we, we've tried video across pretty much all the platforms. We've tried YouTube, just kind of native uploads. We've tried YouTube Live. We've tried Facebook Live. We've tried Facebook uploads. Uh, LinkedIn uh, now lets you actually do native uploads of videos under 10 minutes for personal profiles. Wait, no, more. native? As in, will they record it straight on there? Or don't you have to, you have to upload the actual video file? You have to upload the file, yeah. but you, they can host it on LinkedIn. And then right. it auto plays in the feed if it's hosted on LinkedIn. I've seen those, yeah. Yeah. And so they'll do that now uh, for personal uh, profiles. They're rolling it out for company profiles. And then, of course, on Twitter, we, we're using Periscope for live video. Now, really what we found across the board is that every time we do a Periscope video on Twitter, we instantly, on the live feed, have easily 100 viewers on that. And really? we, have, we have a ton of followers, and so that's great. And 100 doesn't sound like a lot, but what we see within the first 24 hours is that number jumps up to 500. And then a few weeks later, we're in the thousands of video wow. views. Now on YouTube, I mean, go ahead, look at the Sosito YouTube page and we're sure. in the 12, 20, 30, right? We're not talking about a lot of views. It takes a lot of time to get people to YouTube views. Um, and same thing if we post a video on something like Facebook or upload a video somewhere else, it's going to get, you know, again, a couple hundred, a few hundred views maybe over time. But these Periscope videos, they live on and they're getting thousands of views every time we post one. And there's a couple reasons why this is happening on Twitter specifically. So one is that Twitter's prioritizing rich media as much as possible. This is part of the broader mm. umbrella idea yeah. of engagement on their platform. And so every time you do a Periscope video, one, it shows up at the top of anyone who's following you, their feed when they log in. Okay. Two, it's actually showing up in search at the top of those feeds. So someone's like clicking through on a hashtag, like yeah. hashtag marketing, and we happen to use the word marketing in our title for our video. That's showing up at the top of that feed. Wow. Live. And then people are getting notifications every time you're going live on Periscope. So it's really well optimized. And the nice thing about Twitter especially is that it gets shared very, very quickly. Mm. So, 
you know, unlike uh, a Facebook video or a YouTube video where it's a little bit more difficult to actually share that with your network, or if you do, it's going to go to a smaller group of friends. Right. If you're sharing it on Twitter, it's getting in front of the entire feed of your network on Twitter. <laughs> we see even with just a few uh, retweets on a Periscope video, it actually can reach, you know, tens of thousands of people instantly. Please. And so then, of course, if, you know, a few thousand of those will actually be on to watch right. the video, but uh, it gets spread very, very rapidly on Twitter. And it just kind of works. It's actually a really nice kind of format to look at on Twitter. Also, the nice thing about Periscope is it's easy. So whether you're doing Periscope, whether you're doing Facebook video, YouTube video, I don't care. Start small and start stupidly simple is what yeah. I say. You know, don't worry about the tech behind. Look at our, we're not great video makers. Look at the, our videos. They're not fantastic, totally. right? They're fine. Totally. Uh, don't invest a ton in technology yet. Yeah. Just start small. Use your smartphone. Put it somewhere with decent lighting, decent audio, and record a video of yourself talking 10 minutes about something that you are an expert on that other people need yep. to know and that they care about. And That's guess cool. what? That's the magic right there. It's just giving content that people want. So when I say care about content quality on video, it's not the quality of the lighting. It's not the quality of the video per se. It's the quality of, is this content relevant to my audience? Is anyone going right. to care about what I'm saying? Right. And all of a sudden, you'll see that magic can happen and that video will get shared, spread, people commenting on it the pe that never comment on any of our posts are all of a really? sudden like typing in, commenting on our videos. Hey, this was awesome. Thanks. What do you think about this? People are giving their ideas. Oh, actually, I'm not so sure about what you said here. I have a different viewpoint. And we can right. have a dialogue. That typically doesn't happen anymore for brands on social media. But video is really well optimized, again, to get it in front of people, but also keep people on that video to watch it and want to respond. That's interesting. And it puts a human face to the brand too. I think that exactly. the more humanizing our brands are, the better, right? People want to buy from people, buying from a company. The same thing with spam. People report companies for spam, a person, and maybe it really was the person, right. right? It's like putting a face to the name. And you certainly do put a face to the Sociedo name. Uh, you're everywhere. And you're right. Those videos, they're really cool topics. They're, they're not far, far off in some other field of talking about something that's not relevant. It's like really interesting. And I know sometimes you have other people and you, and it's funny, you, you, you kind of squeeze everyone in. Uh, I don't, are you still using your phone for those or? Yeah. We're, we're yeah. Still, yeah. Oh, so you get everyone in, it's kind of half, but you know, it's, it's real and it, it's not, you know, fake, you know, green screen. It's like, Hey, just me, two experts talking about a subject we care about and actually you care about, you know? Yeah, that's exactly right. And, you know, the nice thing about video too is it's so easy to repurpose. So we were just talking earlier about, you know, don't just take your content calendar and kind of push it out on social and have right. the same post over and over again. The nice thing about a video is you can take it, you can, uh, you know, obviously take text experts of it and then put those out, but you can actually yeah. take your video, chop it up into different segments, repurpose it across the social platforms Take a long video like this one that we're doing right now, yeah. pop it up into 10-minute segments, upload those on LinkedIn totally. around each topic that we're covering right now, and all of a sudden you have a content calendar that's a lot more engaging than just the last 10 blog posts that you talked about. Yeah, for sure. And, and I could see you know, even this last one. I'm sold on Periscope. Uh, sometimes I'm like a little bit of a late adopter because I want like the iPhone. I want other people to beta test it for right. me so when I get it, it doesn't have any issues. Right. Uh, but yeah, I, I, I totally can relate when you mentioned like YouTube because we put these videos on YouTube and you're right the the views just crawl you know it's a little faster on Stitcher and iTunes but on on YouTube it's like a different channel and obviously you can see our, our awesome faces here um, you can see me gesture around like I'm crazy uh, right. but yeah those those views are a lot slower um, than you know Facebook a little bit more but to your point man the explosion that could happen on Twitter we'll, we'll, we'll totally do that and I love the idea of chopping things up, though. That's really cool. Yeah. And now and the whole reason why this is working so well and why we use video, I mean, it's about 30% of the content we post ends up being video at wow. the end of the day, which now it's not all net new video. Like I said, we're repurposing a lot of these things over and right. over again. Right. Um, but the reason why video and just kind of rich media in general, whether it's GIFs or podcasts or whatever, is working so well on social is that it's this idea of native storytelling or native content on these platforms. Yes. Now, that native content is an idea that's existed for, what, 10, 20 years now on the kind of media side of things. It's happening exactly the same on social media. So it's just this idea of the experience that we're going to create for our audience mm -hmm. is going to happen on the platform where they're already spending their time. 
So we're not trying to drive people to our blog. We're not trying to drive them to a landing page right away, right? We're going to create an experience already in the feed where they are, where they want to be. Um, And so that's where our engagement rates start to go up. And that's why Twitter, Facebook, LinkedIn are all prioritizing types of posts that keep people on their site right? It's for a selfish reason, but it's also for the end users. Cause if you have to click through a link, especially if you're on a smartphone, you get taken to a site that's not mobile optimized, not mobile optimized. experience. Yeah. Whereas if it's on their platform, you don't have to go anywhere. You don't have to know kind of what I'm clicking through on totally. you're just in the feed. Um, and so it works really, really well. And so, you know, it does mean though, as, as marketers, we need to kind of take a step back and free ourselves from this idea of like a content funnel where I'm just going to drive all my traffic to a piece of content and then 2% of that's going to fill out the form and I'm going to convert them. And right. so, you know, we've gotten into this mode where we measure social media based off of the traffic that we drive directly from our posts. Well, you know, if, if every tweet has a less than 1% click through rate, much less than 1% click through mm-hmm. rate, all of a sudden I need to be tweeting hundreds of times just to see any value from Twitter, True. which is, fine, but that starts to run out, right? Yeah, it does. Whereas if I can publish one video that gets thousands of views, they're not going to click through right away. But I know over time that about 5 to 10% of those will make it to my landing page where I have a 2% conversion rate. All of a sudden, I'm converting 20 people instead of two people, right? Now, that's not an easy pill to swallow for a lot of marketers. I get that. It's a different way of looking at social media and looking at analytics. But it means, one, we need to integrate social media with our MarTech system so we can actually track these things, right. you know, who's engaging with us. We can track things over time, not just immediate conversions. And it means we need to be a little bit more sophisticated with analytics and think about traffic as it's coming from multiple sources, not just the direct source that it's coming from. So we need to be measuring things like correlation of, hey, my organic search increased when I did this video series around this hot topic and all those views were coming into this specific content that was around that topic. Obviously, I know that that delta between my baseline traffic and my net new traffic was generated from this social campaign, even if it's not directly coming from a social source. So it's a different way of kind of thinking about it. Again, it doesn't happen overnight, but that's where social's going. So we need to start to get comfortable as marketers to think about social media success in a more demand gen type of view. Right. You know, the challenge I, I wonder about this, and even native, because I we were even talking about this because uh, after one of these podcasts, uh, we do a little bit of that report. I actually write a like a summary on LinkedIn and mm-hmm. put that on there. But the, the debate we were having was, shouldn't we post that first on our own blog? But nat- but native so easy, right? People, they can like it. They can share it right from LinkedIn. It's native content, but are you getting, you know, is Google indexing that instead of your site? Are you missing out on all that long tail on all of SEO on all those inbound traffic that will come long afterward? And also don't you have the risk of that native app, that platform going rogue like Facebook who, you know, people for a long time sent all their followers to Facebook. They ever liked the page. And then now they're like, Oh, you want to reach all your followers. You got to boost that with a little extra money. Give, boom, give a little bit more to Zuckerberg and then you can reach your whole audience. So like that risk of staying on a native platform versus getting off there. So how, how have you resolved that? Yeah, absolutely. So, I mean, there's, there's a, a couple of different ways to look at it and it really depends on how am I going to convert these leads over time. Mm-hmm. If I'm in the B2C world, absolutely. I want to drive people to my landing page as quickly as possible, right? Because it's a one and done conversion. In sure. a B2B world though, I'm trying to build a relationship over 6, 12, 18 months, depending on what my sales cycle is. Sure. And so, you know, you could do the math of it. Obviously, I can't sit down and do the math for every business and try to tell <laughs> right. you how it works. I'd be happy to if you want to call me up. I'm kind of a math nerd. But if you look at it over time, what's the end value that I'm delivering to that user at the right. end of the day? If I'm going to drive them to a piece of content, again, I have to post hundreds of times just to see one conversion. And that conversion is going to be into a piece of content or my email newsletter, where again, I'm going to have to nurture them for several weeks before I actually get a sales conversion, get them over the line versus on social media. If I get someone watching a video for 10, 20 minutes on YouTube or on Facebook or LinkedIn, all of a sudden that's 10 to 20 minutes that they just spent with my brand versus the email that it's going to have a 20% open rate, a 2% click-through rate. They're going to spend 
a minute, two minutes on site. They're right. not really engaging with me over time. And so, again, it, it's a tough pill to swallow because you're right. You are capitalizing some of the traffic that you're going to be sending to your site. But if your conversion at the end of the day is only going to be one person out of a thousand that's actually getting into the sales funnel, I'd right. much rather have those people on Facebook, on Twitter, on LinkedIn when I know that my click-through rate over time for my followers is 5 to 10%. And I know the conversion rate on those is actually 25% higher than what's in the rest of my funnel. So when you start to break down the math that way, uh, when I actually get, you know, a hundred people on a Facebook feed, that right. all of a sudden turns into five sales conversions over a three month period versus a hundred people to a piece of content is one sales conversion over a three month period. So that's how to break it down kind of, if you want to do the napkin math for it, but really, you know, the, the best way to be looking at this is again, it ties social media into your marketing automation system and compare apples to apples. Right. So again, and it doesn't have to be super, super complicated. You don't have to pay for the big integration out of the box. You can do it manually, get a list of your kind of top followers, pump them that CSV into your uh, Marketo, Pardot, Eloqua system, and sure. just track one lead versus another. And say, the people who have engaged with me on social media, followed, clicked, shared a tweet versus those who haven't, what's the sales cycle on those two? And I promise you, I promise you what you find is that your socially engaged leads will convert at a higher rate and at a faster rate. And if that's not true, come yell at me. I'll take the blame for it. But right. I promise you that that's how the math works out. We just have to get out of our, our content funnel uh, kind of mindset. Yeah. You know, so it makes a lot of sense. I mean, I'm even in my, as you're talking, my head is trying to do a little of the, the napkin math for native, for native content, native you know, sharing. To your point, we could have a you know, a few people click through to my site, but if I'm not capturing every single one of them, or if that conversion rate is so low, then versus you didn't bring them to your site, but they're still engaging with you there more long term. They want to continue engaging with you and eventually you have more chance to get them to the next spot where they can get captured. Right. I mean, look, you know, people are spending tens of thousands of dollars on retargeting ads, display ads. Why, why would you do that? The click through rate is much less than 1%. Right. They're not coming, they're not converting when they right. reach your site. Trust me, the conversion rate is terrible on those things. We still do it. Is that a bad investment? Usually, no. We do it because we stay top of mind for these prospects. We're able right. to target them. We're building communities. It's the exact same value props as social. It's just a different way. And obviously, you have to pay your way to do it. But um, you know, we've already figured it out on the display side of things. We figured it out on the content syndication side of things. It's the same mindset for social. Right. Uh, we just have to start tracking, actually tracking it, actually holding ourselves accountable to looking at the metrics. Totally. That last part is the, the, the key thing. It's like, look, we can tell you this is the right thing to do. We can tell you to engage on the native platform. Now, by the way, quick question before we get to that. Yeah. Do you also have content on your blog that sort of mirrors what was on your video or, or do you still address that, that SEO side and that blog side, or are you just straight out social it? You know, no, I mean, look, look, we still guns have a out, blog. guns out. Kind of thing. <laughs> <laughs> I, mean, hey, I wish I could do everything on social, right? That'd be, that'd be great. Uh, look, we still have a blog. We're still publishing new content there. We're still, you know, trying to rank for SEO keywords. Sure. But what we do actually is we take a social first mentality when it comes to content. So right. everything that you see that's written by us on our blog was a post on social media or more likely a video on social media first. We saw that it was successful. The audience cared about it. And so we wrote a blog post that was similar on the same topic and we put that on our blog. It, that's the way that we test to see if content is going to work or not. Again, other people have different ways of testing right. popular content, whatever. It doesn't matter. Social for us is this huge resource of our best audience and our most engaged people. So that's why we turn to social first. And so then, again, we talked about this at the beginning of the show, is that SEO these days is about creating great content. So right. let me start with the content that I know is going to work, and then we right. can do the SEO thing. We can do the blog optimization thing after that. Right. That's interesting. You know, we, we sort of share this, um, this mentality. Now, I'm, I'm, I'm going to like periscope the hell out of everyone. You, you start to <laughs> create a monster. So that's going to happen. But I've, you know, I felt that you can create content like on this podcast. For me, it's this podcast, this sort of live conversation video, if you will, the same kind of thing you're talking about starts it all. It's almost like you start with that authentic conversation. And then from there, you take that 
that real content, the authentic content. And now you can put it on all these different channels and different mediums, but it started in a real way. Like you or you chatting with someone else at Sosito on video and the cool ideas, the, the, the connections are happening and people are like, well, breakthroughs. Now you take that cool experience and then you put it in other places and it makes it that much more of a rich content. So when you share it, it's not like this dry piece of turkey that got baked, over baked in the oven. It's like you fried that turkey. By the way, we did that. <laughs> we fried turkey. But it's like Love you fried it. that turkey and now everyone wants a piece. You know, they go, oh, okay. Yeah. It, it's almost like you can tell that this content was created in, in a, a natural way or almost like a spur of the moment way um, that had a real conversation you can always point back to. So I really like that you start from that. Start, start with social. Start with that real live content. 30% of what you're doing, you said, is video to start with. And then from there, it gets spread around to all the different channels. Make sure everyone gets a little bit of the, the fried turkey. Get the turkey. Afterward. Yeah, right? Get that turkey. That's right. So this is cool. And, and, and so one of the areas I want to take with this next is, so you, you obviously now, you are working a company with a technology, but someone else, look, we're telling you this is the right way to do it. I'm, I'm buying into it. But I, I see that. You know, you could just you could just blindly buy into it, or what probably helps, especially if you have politics in your organization, you have to navigate, is having the technology that gives you that reporting, that gives you that the ability to see an ROI, so that it's not just look, we know this is working, even just beyond the delta, we know specifically because we tie into marketing automation, which is like the life, this the spinal column. You're tying everything into that, so you can see how social has affected. Uh, whether you brought in people, net new leads, or whether it influenced people along the way, they're in, engaging. To be able to see that and track that and point to ROI, that really backs up the claim. And then obviously you're doing that, and that's why you're justifying 40% or more of your leads coming from social. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, you know, and again, it doesn't have to be super complicated. I always say kind of start small, crawl, walk, mm-hmm. run, prove your proof of concept, and then go from there. Um, right. Now, if we are talking about technology, kind of the first places to start are obviously what's your social media management platform and how is that connecting into MarTech? Yeah. You got to start. What do you use? Database. So we use Octopost here. Mm-hmm. Um, it's it's a great platform for B two B companies to use specifically. This cool. is how we kind of centralize management um, for all those Twitter handles or employee handles like we talked about. They yeah. also enable employee advocacy, um, and they're, they tie directly into most of the marketing automation systems. So Pardot, Marketo, Eloqua. Oh, cool. And so what I can do from there is see, all right, this person's clicking on my tweet and then they convert it, even if they didn't convert off of the tweet that they clicked on. Really? Get that original source tagging. Exactly. And so I can see who did I generate from social? We found, you know, just when we started using Octopus that about 10% of the leads that were coming organically were actually social media leads first, right? Interesting. So, so that's, we use Octopus, Sprout Social, very, very similar. I also kind of recommend them uh, if you want like a more simpler kind of starting point, um, but also the social listening piece on top of it. Sprout yeah. Social is really great at that. So if I want to see kind of organically what's happening on social, yeah, uh, I can do that via Sprout Social and their integration with Simply Measured. Um, and then of course, you know, that's only one piece of the puzzle. We talked yeah. about, we have to be proactive in the B2B space. We can't just post our way to success. And so right. that's where a tool like Sosito, I'm going to be self-promotional for just yeah, a minute. Yeah, man, do it. Yeah, this is, is cool. You know, is that we want to actually target the audience that we want to be talking to. So it's great to build followers, but if they're not the followers that are going to become leads at the end of the day, it doesn't really matter as much. And so right. that's where Sosito steps in. We say, hey, here's the job titles that we want to go after on social. We're going to find those based off of social profiles. That's cool. Here's the topics that we want to be engaging with people on, whether it's competitors, events, etc. That's how we're going to target people. We're going to go follow them. That's how you gain your followers. And then, of course, we're going to sync those people directly into your system. So mm. you have kind of your social media management platform side of thing, Octopus, Sprout, Social, Hootsuite, that's looking at my content calendar, what I'm organically posting, the people are coming to me. And then you pair that with an actual B2B targeting system like Sosito, or even if you want to do it kind of manually yourself via spreadsheet, looking at your leads in Marketo or Eloqua or Pardot. And then I'm going to you know, generate the net new leads into my system Right. And then start to engage them on social. So you kind of get the bo- best of both worlds there. Uh, but really, we're targeting our B2B audience and engaging them where they want to, to be engaged. Yeah. That's how we increase conversions. Interesting. 
That's really cool. It, by the way, great, great argument. You could use spreadsheets or you could use Sosito. Like, hmm, right. <laughs> kind of a no-brainer there. <laughs> right. It's like, you know, we're not doing anything magic here at Sosito. We're simply making it a ton, ton easier uh, for people to do what they're already doing on social or what they should be doing. Right. Now, do you see it? Of Obviously, we talked about it, it's evolving. It's moving. It's changing. Yep. Yep. Uh, there's a lot of folks that are, you know, younger folks that, aren't on certain platforms. You always hear stories about, uh, the, the, you know, the millennials aren't using Facebook cause it's not cool. Everyone's on Snapchat. Um, by the way, I've got Snapchat because that's how I, I let my babysitter. I ask her <laughs> if she's available so we can go on date night. Right. It's like, right. Hey, you know, uh, it's so weird, but like Instagram is huge. Sometimes yeah. I, I actually saw uh, someone uh, from the team share a photo on Facebook and then she shared it on Instagram and some of the same, uh, some of us were all were, we're liking it and harding it on both right. platforms. There <laughs> right. seems like a little bit of confusion, not sure what to use. So we kind of use it all or it's a drug. So we're like, we're happy to go, Oh, Facebook's all done. Let me go over here to Twitter. But same thing with Twitter, you know, and that, that for me was always kind of that it was great for networking. It was great for business, especially B2B. Do you see that declining or is it eventually something else? What, how do you, how do you sort of see the ecosystem these days? Yeah, yeah. Look, it, it starts with the audience, right? That's right, right. Any company, I don't care what you are, it starts with the audience, be where they are. So what we see um, most generally um, is for B2B companies, the two platforms are Twitter and LinkedIn. And yeah. now, I'll just say this real quick because I hear this all the time. Twitter's dying, Twitter's stopping, blah, blah, blah. That's not true. No. Literally, the past couple of quarters, the Twitter uh, total user base has increased. Time on site has actually increased. Got so. It. Twitter's thriving, okay? Uh, but of course, LinkedIn too for B2B. Right. Uh, the re- reason why Twitter specifically for B2B is because it's the one platform where people are openly stating where they're working. Uh, right. And so you put that in your Twitter profile of I'm marketing manager at Aptentive or whatever it is. Everyone puts that in their Twitter profile. So it's so easy to kind of find these people, right. each with them. And then the other nice thing about Twitter is that um, you know, the user behavior for Twitter is to look at multiple types of posts, multiple communities at once in my feed. Uh, mm. So what I mean by this is when I log into Facebook, I'm going to log in to look at my friends. I'm going to log in to see an event or I'm going to log in to look at a group. If that's the same kind of behavior as Instagram, right? I'm going to follow a hashtag or I'm looking at my friends' feeds. On Twitter, you log in, you're actually, the user behavior is to look at multiple uh, brands, people, companies sure. in my feed at once. And people do a lot more search on Twitter than they do on the other platforms. So it's a lot easier as a brand uh, to kind of get visibility on uh, Twitter than it is on some of these other platforms. Got it. Interesting. Twitter is not dying. That, that was helpful. That's another, she was cracking myths in the, in the head here. Um, that's good to know because I, <laughs> I'd even wondered that too, because a lot of times I'll someone new and they haven't bumped into Twitter yet, you know, and it took me having my, boss when I got my first online marketing job he's like hey you on Twitter what's that and um, go <laughs> right. get a profile you know okay Roger I got one now yeah. it's not dying and it's, it's not and go it, where the audience is especially for all those folks on B2B side listening now which is the majority of you LinkedIn Twitter you've heard it yeah and you know it, it, it depends on the industry right um you know, obviously in, in certain, you know, if you're in the ed tech industry or, you know, some other ones that are maybe like not the traditional kind of B2B tech industries, uh, it might be Instagram these days. It might be something else. It might be Pinterest. Right. It might be still be Facebook, right? I, again, it kind of depends. You have to do a little bit of research, but I think what's, what's really interesting is there's still this idea of micro communities I keep coming right. back to is that you can form them. They're already out there, right? People already yeah. have grouped around these hashtags, they've grouped around these influencers. So just do a little bit of research and you'll find where your audience is sharing things already, where they're talking to other people in their industry. Um, and I promise you, no matter what industry it is, there is a community out there on social media. Right. It might just not be where you expect, right? Right. Man, this is exciting. I, I, I'm really looking forward to um, you know hitting up Sosito. You're not even paying me to say this, but I'm like really intrigued <laughs> to go find marketers and whether tell them about the podcast or, you know, talk about Cheshire Impact or folks that have Pardot. That's actually how I found a lot of people that, that work at, uh, at Cheshire Impact now is that I was out there looking for people that were as goofy, crazy, in love with Pardot as I was. 
Right. And I, you know, and I went after them. I was like, Hey, I love it too. Come, come over here. You know, that kind of thing. Right. Exactly. Very cool, man. So who are you? Where, <laughs> where did you come from to become this, this king wizard of social um, and all this experience? Like how did this start? You know, take me back. Yeah. So, I mean, the, the one thing you need to know about me is that I'm kind of a nerd about narrative theory or storytelling in general. Yeah. So, you know, I, I studied English in college. I'm a bit of a writer on the side, right? So that's my kind of, that's my deal. It's my shtick. Um, so for me, you know, it's always been marketing. It's always been communications. And so when I kind of first was getting into the first little baby Adam getting into the corporate world, it was, <laughs> you know, hey, I want to help brands tell their stories. And I was introduced yeah. to marketing automation. I was introduced to Marketo. I was introduced to the marketing ops world. And I realized, whoa, we can actually do we can tell stories. We can tell them to the people who want to hear them right? in a way that they want to hear it. We don't just have to blast this out there. And that kind of opened up an entire world to me. And so really, you know, I, I've been at, at B2B companies like um, F5 Networks. Obviously, I'm here at Sucido. Um, I've been in the B2C world. I was doing uh, consumer electronics marketing over at Amazon. So I've kind of seen the gamut of, of things. Um, and really what's interesting to me is that for social media specifically, we have this huge opportunity to make use of all the data that actually occurs on social media, everything that everyone's posting, who they are, what they care about. It's in the public way, right? Not, not the private stuff, but everything yeah. that we're just posting That's online. That's a good point. Right? There's the dark side to it too, but we can actually stay just playing by the rules with everything that people are posting, care about, following, et cetera. We can combine that with the rich engagements and, and experiences that people want to have on yeah. social as marketing, we get to craft those two things together. So we say, here's the people, here's what they care about. Here's the stories. And let's actually make an experience on a social network that people care about. Um, and so that's, that's what I'm super passionate about. Yeah. That's a really good point. There's all that data that, especially on Twitter that in, in ideally people are sharing. And if you don't know, you know, there's, you know, share a mixture of personal and professional. Um, right. you find your own ratio, but I, you know, for me, I say, sometimes I say 50, 50, some people say 80, 30, whatever, but it's, it's a, a, a measure of you and then a measure of the things you care about the, and also wanting to give value to the people following you as well. So not just brushing your teeth, but here's a really cool marketing person you need to follow. Hey, go follow Adam. Look at these cool videos, right? Those kind of things. But then also, Hey, you know, I really love this. I just did a triathlon. So people get the real sense of who you are. But that makes such amazing data that you can yeah. use. You don't know that about someone when they just fill out your form. So there's all this other context. So I could see what an opportunity to go and, and utilize that where it maybe hasn't really been used in the past. That's right. That's right. I mean, if you think about even the people who, quote unquote, don't post about business on their social media, sure. everyone I've ever met tweets when they're going to an event and they tweet at the event yeah, conference or something, right. Or business. Yeah. Well, that's, that's huge. As a marketer, that's all I need to know. Oh, you went to, uh, you know, Dreamforce. Great. We're there too. Let's connect. <laughs> right. Sessions. Let's follow up after the event. Did you uh, see this? Good right? point. I mean, it's just a huge, just that one piece of data gives me a lot of information. And then to your point, right. Someone's tweeting about, Hey, they're running a marathon. They're doing a triathlon or something. We had a sales rep here at Sosito who his very first e outreach email, uh, he sent, hey, looks like you're a runner too. Uh, I just completed this marathon. Would love to chat about it. Also, do you want to chat about Sucido? And that person responded. They got into a sales deal. Of course right? they want to chat. Yeah. Right? It's just, it's so easy. And it's such a, a two-way communication on social media um, that it's really kind of an untapped opportunity. I mean, especially for B2B, the social media platforms have figured it out for the B2C world, you, you can target people based off of their gender and their age and their location and their kind of topical interests. But right. for B2B, we kind of have to take the next step and do it a little bit on our own and say, hey, this person seems to be working at this company that I care about. And also they are following this competitor and are tweeting these things. These are all reasons for me to reach out and talk right. to them and start a conversation. Right. Interesting. Interesting. So you've been you've been dealing with stories and you've been sort of passionate about stories for a long time. Yeah. You mentioned earlier narrative theory. Is, I, we've, we've talked about you know nar native storytelling, um, but what is narrative theory? Yeah. So narrative theory is just the idea of why do people tell stories and what's the point of stories, right? What's the impact of okay. that? Okay. Right. Um, so you know you get everything from 
you know, I'm going to influence someone with the story that I'm trying to tell now. Sure. And what does that structure look like? What I'm super passionate about is this idea that um, a narrative or a story can be this kind of act of subversion. It can be a way to change people or shake them or get them out of the status quo. Interesting. And if you think about it, that's really what marketing is at the end of the day, right? Right. You're already using this solution or you're doing things the old way. We have this new product. Here's the dream. Let's paint the picture. Let's help you envision how to do it a little bit differently. And now, okay, great. Get into our free trials. So you can actually see how it works, right? I mean, right. that's essentially what marketing is, is telling that story. Um, and so that's what I'm super passionate about. That's why I do B2B marketing is because it's, it's a longer story. You get the relationship to talk about it. There is actually a story there. Exactly. Yeah, yeah which is really fun for me, especially. Um, and then, of course, the reason why I'm here at Sucedo is because social media is like the ultimate place to be able to tell compelling stories, right? Like email, everything gets kind of copy tested to death, right? Yeah, it gets washed out. Yeah, it's, but on social, things are happening so quickly that you can really just respond in real time. Mm. Someone says they're like, they have a question about something. Great. Go jump in, be the expert, talk to them about it. Right. Right. You get that feedback from your audience that you may not get. You may get um, a blank stares if it's email. I remember right. doing webinars um, with even my own company or other people. And if I do have to do a, a screen share, the whole screen is up and I can't see their faces anymore. Right. And it's almost like you're presenting blind. You know, you have right. no one to in interact with. You don't know if anyone thought you're, corny joke is funny or not you have no idea right, um, right. versus like doing it live so to have the interaction being so fast-paced on social you, you throw a video on periscope you get it on twitter you got hundreds of people watching i'm sure they're probably even engaging with you too which has got to be so fun yeah. um, to be a part of that that story and that that dialogue really on your own little narrative exactly exactly so i mean that's you know that's me i'm a storyteller at heart See me writing plays in my spare time, and then yeah, let's talk about this. So, you, how many, you have you have a goal to write like a play a month or something like that? Is that no, oh God, no, no, a year, yeah. play a year, play but, a year. Okay, <laughs> okay, yeah, I was like, that's yeah, it's extreme, but yeah, uh, yes, okay. So how I, many I, have you done so far? I've done a couple so far. So I produced my first one uh, a couple years ago. We did a little theater here in Seattle. Um, you know, I wrote it, co-wrote it with a couple of friends, and then uh, actually decided, hey, this thing's kind of cool seems doable. Let's try it. So, <laughs> so produced a play. Uh, What's it called? It's called Love Train. It's about uh, these three friends who kind of take a trip together, but you know, something maybe a little bit mysterious happened on their vacation and now they're taking a train right home and they have to figure out what happened. Um, wow. So yeah, I mean, it's just super fun. And so I, you know, I write about a play a year, kind of work with some local actors in the city. Um, and it's really just kind of a, a fun way to spend my time and try to stay busy. Totally. Totally. And I was sharing this with you earlier, but I'm huge. I love theater yeah. and I did acting all through growing up. And then when I was deployed, I, I had like six months on exciting kick-ass missions, which is where my cool album cover came from. And then the last nice. month I was on guard duty. Like we, they, we, everyone had to do a shift. Thankfully mine was at the end. Um, but then I'm sitting on a guard post for 12, 18 hours all by myself in the heat. And, you know, I designed a time machine, but I also, I also <laughs> wrote a play like while I was there. And so, um, and that's fascinating that, that you wrote, like what, what drove you to write one? Had you been in theater as well or? Yeah. Yeah. So I, I, you know, I, I did a lot of studied acting when I was younger. Sure. Um, so I've always kind of been involved in theater a little bit. Right. And really, you know, so I'm also a, a novelist. I'm also a poet. I studied poetry in college. Um, I, I know I do a little bit of everything. <laughs> I, I, a little too, you know, all over the place, but, um, you know, it, it, what's really interesting to me is that there's really no feedback loop when it comes to fiction writing or when it comes to poetry, mm. you know, you can publish, but it's going to take a while. Then you gotta, you know, even if you're in a writer's group, you don't get everything you want right away. It's only works. Writers progress. groups are so critical. And so, and they're so critical. So I was like, you know what? I just, I want to do something where I can just put it out there, make some people laugh. And yeah. get some immediate feedback. And so I was like, you know what? I'm going to write a play. We're going to produce this play. It's going to be fun. It's going to be a little bit silly. And we're just going to do it. And it's, you know, one of the coolest experiences of my life. But totally. Especially really having it produced, you know. having your work come to life. And, and was, it, was it three people, like three friends? Is there more cast to it? Or was it just like three people? It's just, you know, three people on stage, kind of there's yeah. back and forth dialogue, arguing about things. Interesting. Had like, you, did you, by the time you wrote it, did you have people in mind that would play those parts and that's how you built those characters or did you create those characters from like literally scratch? 
No, no, just kind of wrote wrote the play based off of. I mean, yeah, based off of the people in my life. But, yeah, totally. that's, <laughs> yeah, that's what I did. I I had my people cast already. I was like, okay, I know. Oh, nice, nice. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then you know, we did we did casting. The cool thing about Seattle is it's such a kind of artistic community, yeah. in Seattle, and so you know, we we cast some really amazing actors in it. Um, that took it and ran with it, and so I made my words a lot better than than what I had originally written. And it was you know, right. Did you go back and then and then update it a little bit yeah, and make some changes? Yeah, that's yeah. that's cool. I, I have evolving. I've yet to do that with mine. Um, and I, I told you earlier, one of the things I did was I didn't know who to publish it with, so I created my own publishing company. Right, that's and, right. Yeah, yeah. It was it was called Cheshire Comedy. So and Cheshire Comedy Publishing, and we actually had a contest called the Funniest Play on Earth. So every year, people would send in their and the prize was like you get published and you get a thousand dollars. And all this good stuff. And so people would send in their plays. Now, what I didn't realize is when, you're, when you create this contest and you create a company to do this, I, mean, I love writing plays and marketing and stuff like that. But your job shifts to, be, to reading hundreds of really right. shitty plays. Really bad. <laughs> right, really bad yeah. ones. Now, we obviously yeah. found a couple good ones and they won the contest. But like, I was like, I don't want to do – I don't want to read a bunch of garbage <laughs> plays. Um, it was fun having stuff come to my – to my you know my house office whatnot with the name on it and you know, it was someone right. such a script it was really cool but there was a lot of bad ones out there and so um yeah i, I realized that wasn't really a you know company i wanted to keep doing but it was such a cool experiment did you did you publish yours or self-publish no, I, or not nothing I, yet? I, I have yet to publish it i'm not sure what to do with it yet yeah so, so we'll see I, I just kind of keep writing right it's always the next thing for me right so we'll, we'll see what happens but and you got to hook up with a local theater company so that you can get it yeah. performed. So it almost doesn't even matter if you publish at this point. Um, but it'd be kind of neat to find out that you've got your show happening at five different theaters across the U.S. Maybe fly to one, see it perform. <laughs> That's right. You're in the audience. No one knows. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. Maybe someday. Maybe someday. So, yeah, keep, be on the lookout for the name Adam Hutchinson. Yeah. Go visit your local theater. Done, man. And follow you on Twitter. And hey, maybe you can just share with everyone what's the best place to find you. You know, Twitter, LinkedIn, great places to find you. And then also some URLs for you and Sosito. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Totally connect with me on Twitter. I'm constantly yeah. checking my messages. So it's just at Adam is writing. Um, you can also feel free to email me, adam at Sosito.com. Super simple. Always happy to chat marketing or answer any questions. Um, you know, Sosito, you can check us out, blog.sosito.com uh, is where we kind of keep up to date. We publish a lot of guest posts on there too, so you want kind of some different perspectives. Cool. Follow us at Sosito. That's where all of those Periscope videos I was talking about, we host those. Yeah. Um, and then, you know, if you are interested in a free trial of our product, just Sosito.com, S-O-C-E-D-O.com. We have a free trial that you can actually try out everything I was just talking about. It's cool. Kind of open access thing and our sales team will actually help you out with that. We can set you up. We can look at the integration. We can try a few things together. Yeah. You mentioned even integrating with Pardot too. That's right. That's right. Yeah. We integrate with Pardot, Marketo, Eloqua, HubSpot, uh, and Salesforce. So, you know, we do it all. Awesome. We'll have to do more of like a, like a show and tell a webinar for some of the, the, the Cheshire users who are on Pardot. Yeah. We want to see how the integration works and that kind of thing. Get a little more tactical with folks. We could do something uh, separately from that. Absolutely. Absolutely. Cool, cool. And, and next time I'm in the area, you're in the area, let's hop on Periscope, make it happen. Let's do it. All right. <laughs> awesome, man. Well, thank you so much. I appreciate it. Yeah, totally. This has been a super blast. And again, you know, feel free to push back anyone who's listening on anything I'm yeah. saying. Comment on me. Keep me honest. Give me your perspective because, I mean, the coolest thing is that this is just what works for me. This is what works for some of our clients, but social is constantly evolving, so there's always a different way to do it. If you want to call bullshit, hit them up on Twitter. Do it. Make it happen. Oh, man, <laughs> this has been great. Well, thanks again for, for being here and then everyone else listening. If you liked it, share it with someone. It's on all the different platforms, so let some, someone know about it. And uh, this has been the Hardcore Marketing Show. Thanks, everyone. Thanks.